Welcome to On Leading. I'm Shauna Steffen talking with Blake Jones. Blake Jones is the visionary co-founder and former president and CEO of Namaste Solar, a Colorado-based renewable energy company that has been the recipient of numerous national awards, including Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Brilliant Companies and Inc. Magazine's Top Small Company Workplace. Also a top-rated certified B Corp, recognized for their innovative business practices, Namaste Solar made headlines when they converted to a worker-owned cooperative. This means that each worker owns an equal voting share in the company. With 160 workers, they are now one of the larger worker-owned cooperatives in the United States. For his work with Namaste Solar, Blake was named Entrepreneur of the Year for the Rocky Mountain region by Ernst & Young and one of Denver's 50 most influential people. In this podcast, Blake reflects on his experience in the oil and gas industry and the role of empathy in bridging divides for a sustainable future of clean energy. He also explains how Namaste Solar practices restorative leadership to advance holistic wealth and prosperity for all. When I interviewed Jake Gilbert, the co-founder of B-Lab, which we know is the not-for-profit behind the Benefit Corporation movement, he named Namaste Solar as a certified B Corp that demonstrates restorative leadership really well. And it seems to me that restorative leadership in action began with the choice of your name. So I'm wondering if you could talk about why Namaste Solar and how that name has made a difference for you as a company, if at all. There were three of us that started the company and I had just come back from living and working in Nepal for three years and there you say Namaste as a very respectful greeting with your hands in, in front of you. I've heard the meaning of Namaste um, in Sanskrit, I've heard it translated in many different ways, like the divine in me recognizes the divine in you, or the divine in me recognizes itself in you. Uh, that's one of them. And we took that and kind of expanded on it, that uh, everything's interconnected. The divine in me is recognizing itself in you. There's divine in you too. And we recognize that everything's connected. Energy's connected to the environment. It's connected to the economy. Um, and, and everything is interdependent. And that fits in well with uh, a B Corp multi-stakeholder perspective too, but um, that and, and our desire for stakeholder balancing and recognizing that everything's interconnected and everything, you have to look at it holistically. You can't just look at it with one from one vantage point with a narrow lens on. Uh, that, that is kind of maybe one of the roots from which our core values sprang and it's very evident in different aspects of our culture and our mission and so we don't talk about the meaning of namaste a lot, but it's felt, it's, it's very apparent. Thank you. It seems like it was a pretty bold move to make a choice like that. It was. <laughs> and and I, remember, I remember when we started, how many um, experts and people that we asked for feedback said about a lot of the things that we were planning to do that, that they didn't think it was a good idea and they, they advised against it. And one of them was our name. But uh, I'm glad that we ignored a lot of the advice that we did, including that. And there was other advice that we, we took, and I'm glad we took that, so I'm not saying we ignore all advice, but sometimes if you're going to make change and you're going to do something differently, you need to be willing 
to go against the status quo or go against the mainstream or what everybody else is doing. What about the Namaste Solar Adventure translates? Yeah, we, we strive to share the holistic small business ownership experience with everyone. We want to share the, share the financial rewards and benefits, but also control in, you know, in, in voting and governance, uh, control in operational issues and in, in, in deciding how you're going to do your work and where and at what hours. Uh, we want to share uh, information. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're big in, a big democratic workplace principle for us is, is transparency. Everybody knows each other's salaries here, mm-hmm. which is very taboo at 99% of all private, held, even public held companies uh, that are not in like, uh, like I've heard the post office and the military, they have transparency with pay, but not many, not many companies do. Um, so we want to share all those things, all those positive attributes associated with ownership, but we also want to share the responsibility and the accountability and the sleepless nights when that happens. Uh, we want to share that whole experience, and I think everything stems, stems from that. And then when you have that, you, you have everyone just thinking and acting like an owner, not just here at the workplace, but also when they're going home. And that's a, a more of a connection to place, more of a connection to your customers, more of a connection to your community, more of a connection to um, city ordinances and state laws and, and federal laws and, and policy-related issues. And, and of course, it helps that we're in solar line of business, but also to your, to your environment. So it just naturally, I think, connects employee owners, small business owners, more connected to other stakeholders that you find in the community as a result of that. As you mentioned, this idea of, of stakeholder, stakeholder balancing is one of Namaste Solar's core values. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is how do you, as you say, holistically balance the interests of our customers, our investors, our community, our company, ourselves, and the earth. How do you do that? It starts with creating awareness on each individual's part and as a group, awareness for all the stakeholders in everything that we do. And whenever we're making a decision, whether it's one person by themselves, or two people acting together, or or a committee, or the whole company. When you're thinking of doing something, or going in a new direction, or making a decision, pausing, having the, the discipline or the practice of pausing and saying, how is this going to affect all of our stakeholders? How is it going to affect the different stakeholders? And once that gets ingrained into your culture, and there's good practice, so that when you forget, somebody else in the room remembers that, that kind of thing, because you're no, not all of us are perfect, but I love how this company, when you veer off the path or you forget something, it's wonderful how somebody else is likely to remember or to help you get back on the path. And you ask that question, and it's not a, it's not an, not always an objective black or white issue. You can't always break it down into numerical metrics and saying, well, you know, here's how we're balancing it. We're balancing it with these different tick marks or these different, different dollars in one direction or the other. Sometimes it is, sometimes you are dividing up a budget uh, like when we when we give money to our community stakeholder, we we donate ten percent of our profit to the community each year. We are coming up with a with a dollar budget and a ten percent number, which are which are clear metrics. But sometimes it's it's uh, subjective. But I think the most important thing it all starts with the question. It all starts with the awareness. Asking yourselves, how is this going to impact these other stakeholders? Thank you. 
as a pioneer of conscientious business practices, how do you manage what you all say, doing the right thing above all else, and doing well as a business? It's subjective. That's the first thing to admit. And, and there can be things that help you measure it and help you get on the same page with how you're going to quantify something. And the B Corp assessment is incredibly valuable, but there's still a lot of subjectivity. At the end of the day, it's up to each individual employee owner to decide that. You know, we influence each other a lot mm -hmm. because not all of us uh, have the answer. And I, and I love the saying, no one of us is as smart as all of us. And I found that to be true so often here that when you take the time to tap into the collective wisdom and have town hall democratic debates and you get to hear everyone's perspectives, it's amazing how much it all combines to be a much better idea than what any one person or a small management team could have come up with on their own. So you just do it through lots of self-awareness and lots of questioning and analysis and lots of dialogue. And then hopefully you feel good about what you came up with as a group, which we always have. You have to trust the journey of the process. Yes. I think that's the yeah. right. And for us, we, we talk a lot about how the journey is way more important than the destination. And there are many, many different paths that all can end up at the same place. But how we get there is incredibly important to us and a company like ours. And it would be, that, that would be another way in which we would hope that we can influence the rest of the economy and other businesses to, to realize that. It's not just about the goal. It's not just about the destination. It's about how the path you take to get there is, as in, is oftentimes more important than arriving at the destination or reaching the goal. Thank you. That has me think about uh, the fact that you took kind of an interesting path to get here because you were in the petroleum industry, an engineer in the petroleum industry. Yep. What has your journey from an engineer in the petroleum industry to leadership within an award-winning solar energy company taught you that you think would be helpful for others to know with a similar vision for the world? I think about it a lot, the years I spent in the oil and gas industry, and I really, really enjoyed them. And I, and I came to a realization that I wanted to get out of that industry at some point, but I learned a lot along the way. And sometimes I like to think that the, I joke that the oil and gas industry paid for my training. Um, but I, I met a lot of wonderful mentors. I worked on a lot of amazing projects and, and got to work and live in the Middle East and really enjoyed that. Um, and I, I think it really helped that when I got into renewable energy that I had, I had a little extra credibility. At the time, this was 15 years ago, renewable energy was not where it is today and people were even more incredulous and questioning and skeptical about it. And it helped that I had come from the conventional energy industry. And I think that that helped, but it also helped that I had some empathy for what it was like to be in the, the reigning incumbent. Um, you know, th that's where we get the vast majority of our, of our energy from oil, from oil and gas. And wouldn't it be neat if people working in whatever field they're working in knew what it was like on the other side of the fence? or I'd walked a mile in the shoes of, a, of, of their competition or of their opponents on the other side of whatever their issue they're advocating on, I, I think that helped me the most. Uh, and so when I 
a lot of solar energy enthusiasts will advocate for 100% solar power, we have to be 100% solar power. And I think something that, that that background in oil and gas gave me was a, uh, I'm quick to, to be the first one to communicate that I don't want us to be 100% solar powered. And there is a place for oil and gas and for coal and for nuclear. I just want that place to be, that role to be smaller. Uh, and I want there to be that diversified energy portfolio that we talked about earlier. And I think that lends some credibility too. There's definitely a place for every role, and you need some folks who are, you know, who are pushing the envelope for that. Yes, we should push for as much solar energy as we can, but we also need some folks who, who can who can make build the bridge to the other sectors or to the other competitive groups. And I think that's 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 been helpful for me to have that that ability. That, that empathy, that, that background, that experience, those connections, those contacts. And I'm wondering how do you build that bridge across industries when, in particular with the energy question, from a sustainability perspective, there is a lot at stake. Yes, there is. I think it helps to demonstrate empathy first and mm -hmm. foremost, and if somebody's feeling threatened about losing their jobs, or right now electric utility companies are feeling very threatened by the rising popularity and the decreasing costs of solar and they're worried about their business model working, it, it, it doesn't help to just say, oh, sorry, you're, you're out of luck. I think it's better to be able to, to empathize with the situation that they're in and help offer more solution-oriented uh, visions for the future about how they can adapt. And there's so many examples you can look on in past history where a certain product or a certain technology or a certain industry, its season came to an end and it had to transition into something else. And all those people and all the folks who had economic interests or had jobs or whatever it was, they needed to find a way to adapt to something different. The coal industry is in decline right now and a lot of people are losing their jobs, which is sad, but also offering them that opportunity to transition. Hey, a lot of your skills and experiences from being in the coal industry are transferable to solar and to renewables and, and, and reaching out and offering those opportunities for them to, to make to help make that switch. And that may not be possible or feasible for everybody, but that's a neat example of some some of that that can be done. But in policy work we see it a lot that the people who came from the utility side and used to work at big investor-owned utilities are often some of the most valuable uh, advocates on the side of environmental sustainability and renewable energy because they understand the inner workings of what it's like to work at a, at a utility company, how a utility company thinks, and that ability to empathize is the first step, I think, in, in being able to, to build a bridge and then dialogue and then everything else that comes after. Thank you. What would you say is distinct about the leadership that's needed at this time in our planet's history? I definitely learned that it's better to be, leadership is more effective when it's inclusive, when it, when it envisions prosperity for everyone, not just a certain group, that it, when it's solution-oriented and, and, and positive instead of listing all the things that are wrong and um, you know, a leader, how do you define a leader? Well, there, there's someone going first that people are following. You don't want to be a leader that garners followers because of the, the negative things that you're saying or the uh, putting down other groups or 
blaming other groups or just saying what's wrong. I think we need more solution-oriented leadership that, that instills hope that things can be better, uh, that it can be shared prosperity for everyone, not just certain groups, and they're all inclusive. And in general, a really high level, I'd say that's what we need more of. And, I'd, and I would love to see too that do it, that, that, that walk the talk. And I know that's an overused cliche, but I want more leaders that have demonstrated that all the, all the wonderful things that they can so charismatically communicate about, that they've, they've done some of it, that they, it, it's, it's translated into action and into track record and into actually making it happen instead of just talking about it. And I think sometimes we do need less talk and more walk. You've done it and you're speaking from a place of credibility, I want to I follow you. I'm, I'm going to listen more closely to what you're saying. And one of our core values is distributed leadership. It's amazing how different people in our company can be leaders in different ways, in different times, under different circumstances. And I love that the leadership qualities can come from anyone, mm -hmm. and they do, um, instead of it being concentrated on a small number of people, and then their dependence to build, builds on that small number of people, and that we, we want something that's more resilient and that's more distributed, and we've achieved that, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing, and hopefully it'll always be that way, that cultivating those leadership qualities in everyone. It doesn't mean that you're gonna be a leader in everything as an individual person, but if you can be a leader in certain ways, in certain times, there's a, there's a place for you in an organization that, that values that, that recognizes those leadership qualities can come from anywhere and is open to that. Um, yeah, beautiful things can happen. I'm excited to ask you because of just your, your vanguard thinking. How can a business be part of healing the world? You know, that healing that's needed locally to globally. What, like, what do you think? What you said just reminded me of Jeffrey Hollander. Uh, he's one of the co-founders of Seventh Generation. And I remember hearing him talk about how we need companies to transition from not just doing less harm than the, than the company next door. We need to start doing positive. Because if everybody's just doing less harm and the population's growing and the number of businesses is growing, we're still in trouble. And I've heard Yvonne Schreinard talk about something similar. And so I, I, think, I think we need to challenge ourselves to adopt that paradigm. It's not just about doing less harm. It's about having a positive impact because companies like ours may need to counterbalance the harm that other companies are still doing. And how, how, yeah, how do we heal the economy? How do we heal the planet? How do we heal uh, aspects of our society that are, that are hurting so much? I'm, I'm not entirely sure, I think. I think by, by setting a positive example that it, that it can be done differently, that it doesn't have to be done the way that it's always been done, it doesn't have to be extractive, it doesn't have to be done in a way that takes advantage of this demographic or that demographic and you know, win-lose mentality. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a great answer, but I'd say it's by, by adopting a paradigm of having a positive impact and setting, setting a positive example to prove it can be done. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a great answer to me. Good. <laughs> Thank you for joining this conversation on leading. I'm Shauna Steffen, and I have been talking with Namaste Solar co-founder and recent CEO Blake Jones. 
To learn more about the business of employee-owned cooperatives and the solar industry, go to namastesolar.com. And to learn more about restorative leadership in action, subscribe to On Leading through restorativeleadership.org or on iTunes. Thank you again for joining us.